starts flipping off the dog with a little toe and they're drunk so security kicked him out of the Johnny Carson show what uh, yeah wow. Jeez. yeah funny I saw him perform in a pizza parlor in Tahoe we were having pizza hey there welcome to motorcycles and misfits coming to you from the recycle garage in sunny and yes it is very sunny santa cruz california usa and liza's just cracked a beer <laughs> who is in the house with us this evening who i tell you we've got a packed house and this is in no particular order on the board because Stumpy John is on a hiatus. Miss Liza Miller. Yeah, you can call me Daddy today. Oh, oh. hey. You're the daddiest <laughs> of them all. Wouldn't be the first and it won't be the last. Um, I think uncle is more suiting, though. Right. No, you are, you are everyone's uncle, Liza. And sitting to Liza's right and riding this week a beautiful turn of the millennium Yamaha FC1. That is Anwar. <laughs> Moto, 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 moto. That's why we're here. Now, I, of course, am Emma. Hello, darling. Hello. Would you like, hello, would you like a spot of tea? Oh, God blame me. Yes, hey, God blame me. Do you have any grey poop on, etc. Um, And, of course, <laughs> I am on the glassy girl couch. Sitting next to me is a Canadian gentleman, Will. Hello, Will. Hello. And um, Will... And the gentleman sitting to his left, James. Say hello, James. Hello. Hello, James. They have a story to tell, which we will be getting to later. Last. I thought well, I was no, say hello, James. No. <laughs> um, last in the studio, of course, everyone knows that voice. It would be Naked Jim. Yes, happy to be here. Oh. I, saw, I saw a lyric I liked. Ride, Captain Ride, yes. on your mystery ship to a place or to a way on a place others might have missed. That's right. I thought that was very motorcycle-y. Uh, Jim, oh, I got a... Well, no, just... Uh, hold I, on, hold on. I got an important message for you. Uh, oh, no. Hold on, I wrote it's it down. It's going to be a picture of a penis Shoot, in it. I wrote it down. Where is it? Where? Oh, oh, found it. Happy Father's Day. Oh, tra-la-la. Thank you very much. And finally, by no means least, joining us from Velveeta in <laughs> Oregon... A lot of cheese in that town. A lot of cheese. It's bagel. Uh, greetings and uh, blessings of cheese to all of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I wish you cheese. Is that a, is that a thing? Yeah, the cheese pope. He wears it cheese slippers. Blessed with cheese. Oh, my God. Google, Google, no, don't Google it. Um, so that's it. We, I mean, we've got an action-packed show tonight. Um, of course, today's Father's Day. How about that? Yeah, uh, raise your hand if you are a father in the room. Well, you're everyone's daddy. Yeah, Liza. daddy. Hey, big Jim. Raise your hand if you aren't sure but might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, James's hand went straight up. And, you, and raise your hand if you don't have a dad. Oh, yeah. Man. There we go. The dead dad club. Um, yes. Well, yes. you know, you get to a certain age, Liza, like we are. And, you know, dads get old and pass away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think that Jim has done a good job it's of being right. everybody's dad here. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've been daddy in many ways, <laughs> with and without a safe word. <laughs> oh, um, no. oh, my word. 
So um, as always, what did we do today? What did we do today, Liza? Um, well, I started off in the garage early. Anwar showed up first one today. I hadn't even gotten my breakfast yet and was trying to fix the, the front, uh, the, the tent flap wouldn't work. And he showed up and he brought, brought his friend Mitch over with a new to him uh, Ducati uh, Monster. Monster. Is that a 900 or yeah. 1000? Well, they come in various flavors. Yeah. Do you mm. know what it, what size it is, Omar? Uh, 969, I believe. Could be wrong, six eight. I could be wrong. It's not mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it handsome bike? Yeah, yeah. A lot of problems. Yeah, needs some <laughs> things. Handsome bike, a lot of problems. Well, you know, tell it's a Ducati, so it's, handsome bike, a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. But yes. um, you know, he'll get through them one at a time. It's a hell of a first bike. Mm. Yes. I, I will share. I, I'm not throwing them under the bus or anything. Don't worry. I will share because this is Hopefully something that other people may be able to learn from. So right. the mirrors on the bike, he said, they just didn't work for him. He really couldn't mm-hmm. see. He had to like crouch down really low just to be able to see anything. And they're those kind of um, fixed mirrors that the the mirror inside of the yes. mirror can pivot. But he had pivoted as far as it would go, and he is just oh they don't they're they're, they're horrible. I want to get new mirrors that are better. I'm like. They're actually pretty wide. They're mm-hmm. made to fit this bike. They should be working. One of them had a strip bolt, and so uh, that's a whole other thing. But I was trying to make at least one functional. And and he, he was right. I sat on the bike, and we're, we're adjusting it. And there's different bolts to adjust the play back and forth and this and that. But I realized that where the mirror goes into the whole uh, control assembly. That's called a perch, darling. Needed to be loosened and and rotated forward because it was too far up. Therefore, he was looking down at down below him. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an easy fix. And it was, but but mm-hmm. on this mirror, it was like it seemed like you just uh, yeah. There were many different screws for adjusting it in different ways, and it was that simple thing of just rotating the perch forward that got it into range. And then mm-hmm. he was like, "Oh, hey, it works now." Right. But and so I was glad to help him with that. But it's one of those things where like there's so many different ways to adjust and tighten everything, and then there was just another layer he had missed mm. so to make it function. He had just gotten hold of this Duke Caddy, and um, I don't say you know lots of problems lightly. I'm going to give you a motorcycles and misfits top tip. Wow, this early? We're low. Oh, no. I'm straight out of the gate with the top tip. (laughs) No foreplay tonight. If you are buying... No, I'm going straight Mm. for the main attraction. (laughs) If you are buying a used Ducati... And that one looked like it may have had some age on it. Absolutely. There are two questions. And these are in addition to the questions... Do you have a pink slip in your name? Does it owe back fees? Blah, blah, blah. These are the two big questions when was the last time it had belts when was the last time it had valve clearance service Mm -hmm. and if they don't know take two grand off the price because guess what you aren't doing it yourself and that's what any bike shop's going to charge you to do belts and valve clearances on a desmo ducati well to be honest this bike was free to him right anwar it was uh, he said it was a free bike to him and yeah, and I was like, well, first off, just know there's no such thing as a free bike. No. Well, but yeah. second yeah, off, if there's free any world, free bike what. to avoid, I think a Ducati <laughs> is the free bike to avoid because I don't think people realize how many things 
and may have to be done. And I want to be clear, they're not bad bikes. I mean, no, but the Ducatis it, are extremely rewarding to ride. They're crushingly handsome. They do but, all the things. But if it's free... Well, it was running in yeah, apparently yeah, yeah, it was running. current registration. Right. No, so I'm bucket, saying in general, though, what I'm saying yeah. in general, yeah. a free Ducati, yeah. be careful. Um, now, to be fair, Moto Guzzi's can also be troublesome, mm. and we're going to come to that mm. later, Will. But first, uh, I but first, I need to announce, first off, I have an, an apology I am issuing on behalf of all the misfits. Mm. No, I'm nothing to do with this. I am nothing on to... On behalf be- of all the misfits. Excluding Emma, who wasn't there and would have called you on that nonsense straight no, away. No, that's not true. Well, I might have. You, you don't know. You weren't there. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, we're going to find out. Oh. So last week on our show, Moto G. Pete was retelling the account of doing the hill climb at, at Moto, uh, Vintage Days on his vintage Vespa, which seemed impossible. Just by itself, just claiming that you did the hill climb on a vintage Vespa. Well, especially after the, cr- after the creek crossing. And the fact mm-hmm. that we were all on the other side of the hill looking at the top of the hill climb, waiting for him to appear and never saw him, <laughs> put some doubt into our heads it's, uh, if it, it actually happened or not. And he claimed he did, but he was also quite inebriated. So we just questioned the fact, is it possible? Maybe it didn't happen like you think. Hmm. Well... Um, he did tell his story of crashing part way up and some some nice guys helping him like lug the the Vespa up. And I'm calling to say that uh, we did get an eyewitness reached out to me to say oh. he witnessed it and it did happen as he said it did. They we, called they called so the tip to line. Pete, wow. apologies mm. that we doubted you at all. I also have another message to Pete that. Um, he reached out to me and asked if I would guest on the Nokomoto podcast again. Oh. And I am happy to do so. So, Pete, um, I will let you know. As you, as you may or may not know, I am off to Italy um, in 10 days or so. So, as soon as I get back, I will I will do a nice little guest spot well, on, on your lovely podcast. I think that's great. And, Pete, just reach out to me for the fee. Um, we'll settle that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so yeah so he that means he did it he did it that crazy kid did that on that hill climb so yeah i never doubted him uh all you have to do is talk to him no it's just you like i mean basically it you're wasn't throwing just me. us you're throwing was, us all under the bus for your cynicism you can just simmer down because i just issued an apology and acknowledged well he i did it on I, bagel's behalf so bagel the man the myth your the legend isn't a myth <laughs> yeah um that is no cool, i think though. that's Great very story. i think that's very noble of you later I'm, yeah. I'm very impressed there you go Tra-la-la. well and you know what you know what i think it was None of us witnessed it, and I think it was the timing, because he had wrecked so many times on the way down <laughs> when we were all waiting for him to come up, and like one after another, other bikes were appearing, and not him. And then by the time we're like, something must be wrong, we went down into the woods to go check on him. I think that's when he came up, when we were all down there. It was that timing where like nobody saw it happen, but somebody did. So there you go. Um, there's another big announcement. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a, a big conversation, a long conversation last week about my dilemma. Yes. Your, uh, your motorbike dilemma? My motorbike dilemma. What do you do when you sell two bikes? Well, you have to buy it. 
at least one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a scooter. Yeah, yes, that was that was that's, that's, that was in the equation. Apparently, that's in the, the fad now. And I'm 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 here to report that I bought a bike. Ooh! Actually, I found it the next day. And here's a new criteria I'm going to offer to anyone when you're in that bike buying mode and you have you have a budget, so you know what your amount is. Buy whatever is the closest bike in proximity to you on Facebook Marketplace. Just commit fully. Just whatever commit. the closest whatever bike the is closest one budget. is in your budget. Just go get it. That's oh great. God! Because that's what I did. Well, you you were extremely lucky. <laughs> yes. And actually, I owe the owner of your bike an apology. Oh yeah. Because you reached out to me and you said, "Well, what do you think this is worth?" And I said, "That bike is worth this amount tops." <coughs> Because I thought it was carbureted, mm. and it's not. It's fuel injected. So you got huh. that bike for an incredibly good price. Except that it has 12-year-old tires on it. Right. So, well, I mean, there's yeah. costs involved. So, yeah, yeah, tra-la-la. Yeah. yeah. So, drum roll, please. What I got? What did you get? A Triumph Scrambler 900. Mm-hmm. And I had mentioned that was one of the bikes that was on my list. Yeah. It was one of it the was. keywords. I was like, VMAX, a Scrambler, an ADV scooter. Mm-hmm. Like Now, when you said the uh, uh, Triumph Scrambler, I thought it was going to be the little bigger one is what I was picturing. I, I thought it would be two. Like the 1200. Because like, we've had the 1200s here. Very handsome. And they're tall. Very, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Well, I, I, hang on. There are different flavors of 1200 Scrambler. And the one that comes here is the XC, which is uh, the one with the incredibly yeah. tall Olin suspension. They yeah. do a slightly shorter one, which is still handsome, but not quite as tall. Then they do the 900 Scramblers in the liquid cooled. But yours is one of the old air coolers. Yes. So and that's why you said it was worth less, because it's air-cooled, not, not air Well, and I thought it was carbureted, because it's kind of on the brink of a... What year is it? 11, I think. Oh, yeah, of course it's... Isn't that a radiator-looking thing in the front of it? Oil that's an oil cooler. Oil cooler? Okay. Yeah, it's an oil cooler. Um, But, uh, yeah, I got there. It's beautiful, the matte green. It's uh, it's a scrambler. I mean, you guys all saw it. Well, it's got Good the high bike, side yeah. pipes, right, with the heat guard and the nice chrome high side pipes. Very, like, town and country looking. There you go. (laughs) Like, town and country. And that's kind of almost a definition of Scrambler. Um, And we we were thinking about doing a little mini history hole on that. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, um, I told you I ran into Gordon this week. Yeah. uh, Up in Carmel Valley uh, from the Quail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, and I was like, yeah, I got this dilemma. Sold two bikes. I've got to buy one bike. I said, but what What does a person who doesn't need another bike get? Because the bike you don't need. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> he knows this game. So I told him what I was looking to get, and he's, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And it is. I like it. Um, the thing I found that's interesting, I mean, you got to ride it. I did. Emma, you got to ride it. Um, it, you know, it, the, the way it rides, I wasn't really expecting. To me, it feels more like a midsize cruiser. Almost like a Vulcan 900. I mean, they've. It's got a lot less weight than a Vulcan 900, but I, I can, I can kind of think about that point of view a little. Well, you know what I, I compared it to. Like, if you take a Japanese twin, it pulls very differently than that. It, it definitely feels more like it's almost like an American V twin versus like well, a Japanese twin. That's very deliberate, and they yeah. actually positioned the crank on it and did the firing order mm. to kind of mimic a V twin. Yeah, because you so just kind of just mm, going, yeah, as you yeah, roll. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what kind of horsepower it makes, but it doesn't. Yes. You don't want for power on it. Sixty-eight. 
Oh, perfect. Exactly. It, it feels like, like a cruiser in that yeah. it feels like it's got lots of power, but it doesn't all translate to the rear wheel. Right. You know, the, the, the Versa 650 is much more nimble and, and, and takes off really easily. It has all the power you need, just not enough to get into trouble is how I describe it. There you go. It's quite mm-hmm. comfortable. The seat is a big couch. I like the seat. But it also goes into turns really easy with not a lot of stress. Um, well, you got the, I mean, you've got those big old cow bars on it, and you mm-hmm. just kind of manhandle it around and lever it around. And much like our friend Phil, who just got a scrambler, I ordered, as Phil said, Ein sa- Saddlebag. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Volt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I ordered one. Um, so, yeah. That's what I ended up getting, the bike I don't need. It's just a good-looking bike, and it's a type of bike. You know, I say my biggest problem is finding a bike that I would choose to ride before and in my other bikes that I love riding. Mm-hmm. Well, this just, the aesthetics of it is just kind of pleasant, you know? Oh, very much. That's like, no. like I, I, I like the fact that your Un saddlebag, right, it's got the high <laughs> pipes on the one side, yeah. so you can only have, that you went with the kind of the Triumph waxed, um, waxed whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, the waxed. Like, Wax cotton. Wax cotton, vintage look, because the bike looks like Steve McQueen just got off it in that mm-hmm. sense, right? It has that very old kind of nostalgia to it. Um, and then you were like, oh, I'm going to put my phone mount right here. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no phone mounts. Just keep it like. No, exactly. pure. Even if it can be new, but make it look retro. That bike's cultural home is in a field in Hereford in a pile of cow shit. That's, you know, that's the perfect spot for that bike. I was thinking more like in a tall group of like flowers somewhere near Manchester while you're having sex with your friend, you know, having a picnic. And then you hop back on it and ride oh, people off. Don't, people don't have sex in Manchester yeah, anymore. They, it's too dangerous. They're just guilty. And it's got the knobbly tires. The knobblies. But I don't think I'd ever want to take it off-road. Even like Gloria Road or something. I'm like, I don't think it's so. It's great shape. It's no, super clean. Just, it threatens that it could. That's all I need. Just the threat. Well, and that, you know, and I hate to say it, that's the kind of scrambler vibe. You know, it's got this kind of promise of... We're going to have some fun in the dirt. And then you get there and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Can we get into that a bit now? Yeah. I mean, because scrambler is a term that's kind of been thrown around a lot. And a lot of people don't realize the origins of it Mm -hmm. and where it actually came out of. Yeah. And what it actually means and kind of the, the definition. Are you bailing? Jim? I do. There's a there's a black market grilled cheese event <laughs> happening as we speak. And I, I can't miss Gruyere, it. Gruyere. That's the trick. Oh, but the password is you know, saffron. This, just so you know. I was going to say, up occasion. until this Seriously. point, and we're only half an hour into the podcast, this has been quite a cheese-filled episode. A very cheese-filled. <laughs> Velvita even. Yeah, I blame Bagel for So it anyway, Scrambler's wonderful topic. I'm sorry I'm not going to be Scramble here. Scramble cheese. Cheese calls. Thank you. All right. All right. Have fun. Happy right. Father's Day. Cheers. Thank you. All right. So, um, and you know, and I, I always hate to use this cliche, but there is some truth into it. Do you know when the first motorcycle race was? When there was the second motorcycle. There you go. And people always say that, <laughs> and it's kind of hokey and cliched, but there is truth in it. In that, from day one, because of its agility, because of its power, because of the nature of what it is. A motorcycle has always been like a, a competitive machine, mm-hmm. and it tends to be attracted to daredevils, particularly in the early days. And so back in the very, very early 20s, we're going back to yeah. 1921, 22, 23, um, in England, you know, everything kind of, um, everything kind of starts in England just because 
motorcycles were very, very prolific over there. Um, all these, uh, these young guys would get together and challenge each other. They would challenge each other to a race that would involve road section. But these were quite rudimentary roads. This is the 1920s. Country section, kind of town and country kind of thing. Dirt section. So, yes. Kind of like what the Citroen was made for. They, well, the Citroen. Right? Countrysides? The Citroen was designed for the countryside. It was so the farmer could have his. The DS. Yes. Yeah. And the 2CV was you could have the basket of eggs, backseat, drive it across the prat. got some up there. Um, so the term scrambler, if you actually look at a dictionary term of scrambler or scramble, if you scramble something, you mix it up. Scramble eggs, you whisk them up. It's a mix. If the president is making a call to the Kremlin and his phone is going through the scrambler, as it should, all the words are being mixed up. So it's a mix. It's a mix of street. It's a mix of dirt. And so when you've, when you've got that definition of scramble, then scrambling becomes the sport. And it's any machine that can be used on street and dirt. That's the purest definition. Now, as you've pointed out, Liza, the definition has changed over the years. Exactly. And what actually makes a scrambler is quite loose you thought, and you were right in thinking that, the one of the defining factors of a scrambler was having high pipes. And that's not entirely true, because there's been some very notable scramblers with low pipes. We're, gonna, we're still going to go through a little bit of the history. So, all through from the 1920s to 1960s, and to a certain extent the 1970s. Can I give you the, the definition? Yes, please According do. According to the internet. Okay. Uh, do you have a website for that so we can uh, mock them? Um, no. Okay. This is just a generic, what is a scrambler? Yes. A scrambler motorcycle is a bike built for off-road and street use. There you go. The scrambler is a vintage-style motorcycle it that has been stripped be. down for higher speed, given taller suspensions, fitted with spoked wheels and knobby tires, and high exhaust pipes for ground clearance. That is the definition. Right. And a lot of those... In broad terms are true, however, there are some exceptions to the rule. Number one, Honda have just released the Scrambler with cast wheels. Also, um, Scramblers don't necessarily have to have high pipes, but it certainly aids the look. Now, in England, if you went in England, 1960s, and you're going to see the scrambling, you know, the scrambles, You'd see guys, big burly guys on BSAs and Triumphs and Nortons riding these things at top speed through the mud, small road course, mostly off-road. And the definition of the bikes was very close to that description. They were all stripped down, very, very high performance compared with their street counterpart, high pipes, very knobby tires, no lights. That was the competition side of the sport. That kind of developed into motocross. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the origins of motocross. So it's the scrambling is the origins of motocross, and motocross has gone in its own direction. Um, 
But if we get back to the definition of the bike, the first production bike that actually carried the name Scrambler was, we go back to 1962 and the Ducati. And... And I I have uh, some interesting input on that. Yeah, let's... Well, it was Ducati, but it was designed for the U.S. market. Yes. The uh, Berliner brothers, who were importers... Absolutely. ...asked for that for the U.S. market. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Well, they recognized that it was a stylish machine and it would sell well in the U.S. Now, Triumph repeated that 13 years later in 1975 with the Triumph TR5T. It was the last incarnation of the Daytona engine and the Trophy engine. And it was a very, very stylish bike. And it carried off-road pretensions, but it wasn't really an off-roader. It was far more of a boulevard cruiser like the Ducati Scrambler. And that's what's interesting. We were talking about, I I don't know when the era of the actual racing Scrambler ended and the performance bikes came in. I think there were other things like Penton had an influence, stuff like that for actual. Well, you know, I think a lot of things were carried under the umbrella scrambling. Anything that involved mud and knobby tires would have been called scrambling. If you want to talk about a heyday, I'd say probably the late 60s. And it was it was really centered in England. Well, what I find is interesting is we go back in history. Yes. They didn't have. Race bikes, no dirt bikes, no you know touring bikes. There was a bike, and you would put whatever package on it to turn it into that purpose, right? right? I mean, even look at—you could see the Honda Cub touring package, right? Oh yeah, crazy! Like it's gonna yes. So you'd have these these packages to turn in what you want. So by the time 1962, when Ducati brought in the Scrambler, I think were we right there on the cusp where they're not they're actually building styled bikes, not racing bikes. Right, and I think the Ducati Scrambler from the early 60s, that 62 Scrambler, very very handsome bike, but it's far more of a styling exercise than a competition exercise. And I think that as we move through the 70s with the Honda CLs, the street scramblers, and the BSA street scramblers of the very early 70s, right. it's far more of a styling exercise than actual off-road capability. Mm, I think the CLs were actually designed for that. No, they weren't. No? Because were, you had the XLs at the were, same time. Yeah, the XL yeah, right. was the dirt bike. Mm-hmm. The CL was the Boulevardier. Yeah. It had high pipes, but it was just dripping with chrome. It had flashy paint jobs on it. It was designed primarily for the American market. Yeah. And it's very, very interesting to note the XLs and the SLs Yep. were sold in England. The CLs were never sold in England. It was purely for the American market and for the Americas because it was that style of bike. It promised you adventure. But when you actually got to the start of the adventure, it's like, eh, I'm not really designed for this. And we were talking about this in the garage. So the American 
styled, we'll say the 1962 Ducati was probably right, right. the first styled. So in the 60s, they were introduced, but then by the 70s, when Honda, they had, you said what, the 175, the... Yeah, the 175, the CL 175 was the smallest. 360. 350. 450. Um, yeah, the 450, I think, was the biggest CL. So they had a bunch. They had a bunch, and they were all... They all had very, very flashy paint jobs on. They all had tons of chrome. Oh, big yeah. Big chrome high pipes. Those, um... The dragons. Those, yes, the ones with the... Have you guys seen these? These are really valuable Psych- Honda scramblers with this, like... Psychedelic. Yeah, like marbleized paint. It's hard to describe. Like if they dripped a bunch of... It's almost like... T- not tie-dye as bold as tie-dye. It's tie-dye-dye. like a lava lamp. Yeah, but it's this kind of like drippy, flowy paint style that's... Mm. A blend. Anyway, they had a whole, whole bunch of them at the And quail. it's no surprise that that's on a CL because that was yeah. that was the market. You know, somebody who's going to race a bike off road isn't interested in a psychedelic paint job. What they're interested in is very very stylish machine, and they're very very smart to have adopted that for the US. Because if you think about the big bikes, the cruisers. That's not a style that necessarily lends itself well to smaller bikes. Smaller cruisers always look kind of clunky. The seats always look too big. The bars look too big. Um, So having a scrambler style, it gives you that sort of adventurous style and something that's really synonymous with the US, which is very appealing. But it suits smaller bikes. So here's what I find is interesting. So in the 70s, there was, there was a, a big move. It became kind of popular. Yeah, yeah. And then in the 80s, it kind of went away. And then was it the 90s when the Triumph kind of brought it back in? Uh, well, it was... The or 2000s. Tri- yeah, Triumph introduced the Scrambler. 2000s, I think. So Triumph came back with a bang in 95. These are the John Bloor bikes. And he, he really started with the triples. And then the lot of fanfare, the bike everyone had been waiting for, the Bonneville, um, the T-100, came out in 2001. And the Scrambler appeared almost immediately. It was a a stand-by-the-side-of-the-Bonneville bike. And there was this huge wave of nostalgia for these bikes. I think when we look at the 80s and 90s, People weren't actually that nostalgic about bikes. People wanted the modern stuff. People wanted to look forward. You know, the highest selling bikes in the 80s, late 80s and 90s, were the sport bikes. And the crazier and brighter the paint jobs, the better. I mean, Rufus is a 90s sport bike, and he's got that wacky purple and yellow paint job. Um, And that's really what was selling well back then. So, yeah, they kind of made a surge, and now... Well, now they're back because now people back. are nostalgic. What do you guys think? Because you're all kind of younger. What do you think of the Scrambler style? I love the way it looks. Um, and I think one of the um, Scrambler aspects now is the customizability almost. Um, I have friends back home that are uh, customizing their CX500 into a Scrambler, for example. Oh, That's a popular really? build. If you Wow. If you have um, sort of a classic looking Not or a cafe, quirky looking a scrambler. A scrambler. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think um, the knobby tires, as you said, uh, the nostalgic look, but also you can make it very quirky in your own way and stand. I mean, I do see similarities with the cafe racer types, mm. but they're the guys 
Cafe racer seems to be more slick, um, right. going from coffee shop to coffee shop. Well, whereas and, scramblers and the brat takes well one or two cues, mm. but not. I'm not yeah, fully I mean, scrambling. you know what? The brat's its own thing, and it's it. The the brat's actually not a style I'm particularly fond of. So, um, and and just to define, and I and. I, Obviously, these rules aren't set in stone. Right. But my definition, which some of the articles on the on the interwebs agree, that kind of the three defining things are knobby tires, motocross bars, and high pipes. And I think as a broad spectrum, that is a good place to be. Because if we take your scrambler, mm-hmm. those are the only real three things the, that differentiate it from the Bonneville. Yeah, exactly. That and the paint. The suspension's not higher. No. Um, it is literally a Bonneville with high pipes, knobby tires, and what was the other thing? <laughs> the motocross bars. Motocross bars. Which kind of wider. Yeah, and just, bars. you know, yeah, and that's it. And they put a bash plate on it, and that's pretty much it. Well, it promises you more than it's actually capable of and that's not trashing the bike i'm very very fond of scramblers i think they're very handsome in fact there's many scramblers available right now we're talking production and in fact i haven't really seen that many people do custom scramblers one in part it's hard to do high pipes but when you're talking about production scramblers you could buy right now yes the new Royal Enfield Scram 411. Yep. Which is kind of an offshoot of the um, Himalayan. Yeah, kind of. It's got a little bit of Himalayan in it. It's got a bit of Meteor in it. It's got a bit of the new Hunter in it. But it's a, it's a standalone thing. It's the Scram 411. Yeah, I test rode one of those. Moto Guzzi, the yes. V85 TT. Yes. That, that's, that is a, um, a scrambler. And this is one I hadn't heard of, so I'm thinking that this might be Europe. The Fantic Caballero 500. So, so that name, you just made a lot of our listeners in England, particularly guys in their early 60s, very happy right then. Because yeah. a lot of um, people of a certain age remember the Fantic Caballero moped which was pretty much the fastest thing on the road. Fantic did two sports mopeds in England in the uh, sort of towards the mm-hmm. end of the 70s, 76, 77. And the street was the Super 6, which do like 65 miles an hour. It's heady stuff for a moped. And then they did the Caballero 50. And that, what you showed me, is kind of like a grown-up version of the Caballero 50. And it's like the Benelli. The the, the company went bankrupt. Someone bought the name. Yeah, it's Chinese. Back Fantic. Yeah. So it's, it's Chinese-made. We don't have tree. it here. But here's a bike you can get here that has been very successful that I didn't really think of as Scrambler. The BMW R9T is defined as a Scrambler. They do a Scrambler mm-hmm. version. Yeah. BMW R9T. It's got the high pipes and everything. It's a scrambler. Well, the scrambler version is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, and then you've also got, of course, the Ducati Scrambler, who came out with, what, three versions of the same bike you can right. get. And then the Desert Sled. Right. And the Desert Sled is interesting because it is the only one with spoke wheels. The others yep. have cast wheels. So... Uh- and then, of course, yeah, the Triumph Scrambler 900, the Triumph um, um, 1200. Uh, there's a Ducati Scrambler 1100 Tribute, which is different from the other yes. Scramblers. 
Um, and then, oh, here's a bike I totally forgot about or didn't think of it as a scrambler, but this is being defined as this Indian FDR 1200 rally. I thought of it more as a flat track inspired, but this is being called a scrambler and it has the upswept pipes. Wow. Yeah, 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 no. Indian, they're getting in the game. And then, of course, as we said, the new Honda CL500, which I haven't seen in person yet. And but the CL300. And 300, which, which is... Which may or may not be coming to America. It's basically the Rebel. Um, and then the, I think, the, the, the Scrambler of all Scramblers. The Triumph 1200. And you can get the Steve McQueen version that Uncle Phil just got. And that's... The XC, as you said. That is, that is the real deal. This is the one. Out of all those we listed, this is the one you could actually take it in the dirt and tear it up, I think. You could, but it'd be a workout. But it's legit. Oh, it's no, got it's all a legit the things. It bike. is legit. But I think it's important for you, Liza, to actually make sure that we understand the categories. Your KTM 690 is far more capable in the dirt than that. Yeah, yeah, because this is heavy. There I you know. go. Yeah, yeah, but the it's, it's a legit dirt bike. Yeah, I mean it's got. But a, it's 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 its own thing. You know what? I, I and I'm gonna. You know I love a good controversy. Oh God. I'm gonna throw it out there. I'm gonna say that I think Scrambler bikes are the coolest bikes, and I find it fascinating that cafe racers and choppers. There's all these other trends that come and go, come and go, but the Scramblers have never really been a customized trend. They've just been a production trend. Bagel, are there any scrambler scooters? Well, I mean, not production, but the argument could be made that uh, that Vespa Cross bikes are. I know, I was thinking about I, that. And I'm planning on putting a high pipe on mine when Ooh. I build it. Oh, well, there you are then. Oh, yeah. But in the meantime, if you ride a cafe racer or... If you ride any other kind of bike and you are upset by what Liza just said, <laughs> please address your complaints to Cleveland Moto, <laughs> care of Uncle Phil. Um, so, yeah, so that's the big announcement. Scramblers. Scramblers are cool, but I realized I really didn't know that much about the history. and It was kind of cool to see that that was the origins of motocross. And, the, and just to look at historically all the production scramblers that have Come, I mean, I was very familiar with the Hondas, and I always right. thought those are cool. Yeah, those are cool. Well, I, I I like scrambled eggs, and if I drink enough gin and tonics, I don't need to talk through a scrambler. Well, and and I propose this to you. Um, I'm going to see if I can get it past bagel. Bagel, I propose that the CT90, by the definition of scram, what is a scrambler? Is a scrambler? Not CT. I mean the CT70, the Trail 70. Yeah, high pipes. Knobby tires, yeah, not dirt, actually dirt I mean, motocross we, bars because they have their own custom. We are getting yeah, into detail. No, yeah, I, I, it's a scrambler. It's a trail bike. <laughs> it's a trail bike. The key is in the name CT T for trail. Um, but you can ride them on the street too, right? Yeah. When we talk about definitions, it's very very interesting that SS for Honda is very, very different to SS for BSA and Triumph. So SS for Honda is super sport, and we see it written on the tank. If you see a, a vintage Honda, say a CBX, it says super sport on the tank. 
very, very nice. If you see a B25 B50SS, that stands for Street Scrambler. And then because when we go back to that definition in England, scrambling is the sport. So if you have a street scrambler, that's a scramble spike with lights that you can ride on the street. So it's detailed differences. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if uh, with all these scramblers that are available now, especially with Honda bringing it back again, because they really made a huge impact when, when they had them in the 70s. Is this going to be an upswing trend? Is this going to be like the, the big thing as scramblers? It, I mean, it could be. They're very, very comfortable to ride. I mean, I was talking with Anwar about his FC1. And the one point that you love about that bike, Anwar, is you sit upright and it's comfortable, right? That's right. Scramblers. Upright riding position, nice wide handlebar, big tiller bars on it. You can kind of push them around. Easy to ride. You don't need a lot of upper body strength to ride them because you've got all the leverage in the bars. Um, I think they could make a comeback. I think the new Honda Scramblers are super handsome. Yeah, I can't I'd like. I would one. like to see spoke wheels on them. I think the wheels are a misstep. Um, but great looking bikes. They're kind of lean in the front, kind of heavy in the back. Good scrambler look. How would somebody? And I'm just assuming that the customization trend hasn't really happened because it's hard to build high pipes. In fact, some of these bikes that we listed that are listed as scramblers, they don't have the high pipes. By high pipes, they come straight out of the engine across the inside of your thigh and back. A lot of these, including the Honda, drop down well, under the frame and then sweep up. There's a couple of things going on. Number one... You have a theory. Well, I've got two theories. Okay, let's hear it. The first theory is virtually every bike you buy right now has got a catalytic converter. And the one thing we know about catalytic converters is they get super, super hot, mm -hmm. which dovetails into the next theory. Every single person who had a Honda CL or a B50SS or a Ducati Scrambler back in the day had stories to tell about they were riding in shorts like boneheads mm. and burnt their leg or their girlfriend burnt their leg or their auntie we Mabel. We've all that scar. We've all got that scar. And in 2023, with the way people are happy to sue you at the drop of a hat, that shit don't fly anymore. Yeah. So it's a case of, it's a combination of catalytic converters which are leading to super high exhaust temperatures. And just getting them out of the way so you can't burn yourself. But by directing the pipe up that back loop of the frame and turning it 90 degrees just under your butt, you can get that street scrambler look and not have to worry about your customers burning their leg on your bike. But, oh, that look when it comes... Oh, where they, where they turn around the side of the bike? Oh, it's My custom chopper was scrambler style. It came straight underneath your thigh. Did you burn yourself? I didn't ride in shorts. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Good. Good looking bike. I'm really looking forward to seeing more. It's a more great bike. I am super impressed with you, Liza. And the biggest criteria is I wanted a bike that I would choose to ride over the others. And this one is nice in a cruiser way to go ride. Like, yeah. Not, I don't, oh, they're easy bike to ride. Yeah. Easy bike to ride. And it's actually comfortable. Right. Well, um, 
Stumpy John can't be here because he's doing Father's Day things as 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 a dad himself. Yes. Um, and it was his birthday yesterday. So happy birthday, Stumpy John. And um, for regular listeners, you will all know that we presented Stumpy John with his Suzuki Bergman 400. Oh, he's using it all over the place. Oh, he, yeah. He has, he has actually admitted this is his go-to bike. And his wife likes riding on the back because it's really comfortable because it's got a giant seat. And it's like an armchair on the back. Yeah, I met him for dinner last night and they showed up on the scooter. They love it. And um, she's kind of expressing interest in learning to ride it. So that yeah. might be a breakthrough. We'll see. Yeah. Um, well, he can't be here, but he is here in spirit. In fact, he's going to read an ad for our sponsor right now. Support for the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast this week is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Just over 8 million men worldwide trust Manscaped, and we have an exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MISFITS20 at manscaped.com. Guys, Miss Emma will be the first one to tell you, you got to have the right tool for the right job. You can't use a ratchet to screw in a screw. You can't use a hammer to take a bolt off. But picture this, you're standing in front of an old bathroom mirror, armed with your rusty trimmer, nerves tingling, shaking everywhere, trying not to nick anything important. It's a delicate dance, my friends, but Manscaped wants to turn that nerve wracking experience into a walk in the park. And for that, they have the performance package 4.0. It's a game changer. What you'll get in this package is you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The Lawmower 4.0 is a game changer, and it might be the best ball trimmer ever. It features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce accidents, is waterproof, has an LED spotlight that will light up the room, and it gives you the most precise shave you can find. Because it's waterproof, you can say goodbye to that mess on the bathroom floor. But we want you to take it to the next level. The Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer goes after all those pesky little hairs that show up when we get older in places we never knew we had them. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me, fellas, when I say this, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even throws in a f- two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. This will bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Guys, it's time to take care of yourself and it's Father's Day. So go treat yourself right now and go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MISFITS20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MISFITS20 at manscaped.com. Don't forget to use our code and you will unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the right job, just like we do here in the garage. There you go. You got to keep those balls smooth. Good Lord. (laughs) I never thought, and I go back to my earlier statement that this is definitely a cheese filled episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like that bagel? (laughs) Oh, it's terrible. Yes, I know. I do apologize. (laughs) And I wanted to take a second to acknowledge uh, Anwar in the room, who's being so quiet. Because he, he he has beaten Knock in the 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 contest that's nobody really knows is happening, but I keep track of the highest mileage bike. Oh yeah! So oh, wow. Bagel, you know uh, Knock his his um, uh, super chicken, his super hawk. Yeah, 
130,000 miles on that bike. Wow. Yes, he's gone through front ends, lots of top ends, all the ends, right? Well, Anwar, your bike has more than that. So first off, so tell everyone again what you're riding. Tell them how much mileage you have on this bike. Kawasaki FZ1, it's got over 150,000 miles. Yeah. Wow. Miles, inner city miles. And still going. Miles, and yep. still going. Daily rider. Yep. And there's a commonality between Bagel, mm-hmm. between Anwar, between Narc. And these are people, I know you've got a car, Bagel, but your scooters are still your go-to. Anwar doesn't have a car. Neither does Nock. So when you use your bike every day, you get up to these huge mileages. Yeah. And there were many years I spent without a car that I was only riding. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. And it still it looks good. It looks good. Oh, they're super handsome bikes. I love that style. I'm actually surprised because, I mean, to see a bike with that high mileage without oil leaks all over the engine yeah no i mean the th- it looks clean the thing is you know the fc1 um and the the thunder race were really yamaha's flagship thousand cc bikes mm. back in the day and you can't go wrong with a flagship because you know it's a company like yamaha it's like these are the best bikes we make so we're going to throw all the best components at them so it's really no surprise yeah, that's why I want to share it. It's a good testament to that bike being a good, a well-built bike. And oh, I yeah. mean, I never thought of that as being a 200,000-mile bike. I think of, like, BMWs, you know, certain things that you can expect to get under right. 200,000. Well, and I add the FZ1 to that list. And it sounds great. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. a murmur out the engine. So, Emma, yes. you brought with you today. You said, I'm bringing some orphans with me. No, I have me. orphans. I have Canadian orphans Where with me. Where did you get these orphans? Well, I think. Are you collecting them? I Well, you know I collect Canadians. You do collect Canadians. I collect Canadians. Um, and they are added to my collection. Who would like to tell the story? I mean, James or uh, Will, either of you. I think you should tell the story in your own words. Oh, I thought you could say your own language. Um, oh. <laughs> well, Canadian, yeah. Um, and I wanted to say they have no idea who Emma was or us. Well, they still don't. This. They have no idea. These are not listeners. No, no. So up so until, up until yesterday at 6.45, you had no idea who I was. We'd never met. It's just you. So take it away, guys. I mean, I don't care who tells the story, but they've got a story to yeah, tell. Let's start with where are you from and where were you going? Well, um, we're both from Vancouver, Canada, and um, our plan was to go down to Mexico to get some tacos. <laughs> Why were you going to Mexico to get some tacos, Will? Well, I, uh, I went through a heartbreak on Monday. Aww. Will's got a broken heart. I bought a motorbike on Friday. <laughs> and on Saturday, I thought something was missing from my life. And it, was, it was tacos. Now, there nice. is commonality, Will. I just want to share, and I'm going to let you both take your story. Um, one of our very, very dear friends, an early um, guest on the show, was an English woman called Elspeth Beard. And Elspeth Beard was the first woman to circumnavigate the globe on a motorcycle. And she did it because her heart was broken. 
Her boyfriend broke up with her, and she's like, screw you, I'm going to ride around the world. But it's okay, she got laid on that trip. <laughs> well, yes, I know, but nevertheless. So anyway, off and you go, guys. Sorry, I'm just going to jump in. Um, I didn't know that was because of a heartbreak, but I used to have a picture of her on my phone. Everyone a, has that picture. <laughs> of who? Oh, Elspeth? Yes. yes. Ah, yes. Um, so we, we so cool. Yeah, we interviewed Elspeth um, probably four years ago. And because of the time difference, Els- we interviewed Elspeth in bed. Hmm. So she conducted the entire interview. We were doing it via Zoom in bed. And she put the camera on on the the on the, her lap on her lap and you could see these arms because she 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 talks she gesticulates but she lives in this amazing water tower outside London and she conducted the entire interview from that and then wow. we became great friends. Well, in fact, that was the first interview. The second interview, she was right here. She stayed in this room here. Right. Wow. And yeah. she did a book signing out of the the tent you've been working on your bike in. Oh. Uh, all these people showed up like. Expecting to come to like but a bookstore or motorcycle we shop. Are, <laughs> we are <laughs> going off on a tangent. <laughs> but the thing is, Will, you set a good precedent, hon. Mm. So anyway, so y- you you decided that was something was missing in your life. We'll pick up from there. And those were tacos. Yeah, so I think on Saturday, I pitched the idea to Kosuke or James. Um, and I wasn't really sure. I didn't get, I didn't quite get a yes, didn't quite get a no. But then on Monday, he bought saddlebags. So I knew it was game on. Yes, I think that was buying the saddlebags um, really made me commit because I was I was um, uh, a little bit hesitant because I also, thanks to your friend, um, I was inspired to ride in Africa, right. and um, and so I was, and I wasn't sure when I wanted to leave. Um, for that trip and um, but in the end I thought um, we both always wanted to ride to Baja and uh, this was the time to do it so okay so now we're at Monday you've bought the saddlebags Mm -hmm. your heart's broken Will Mm -hmm. you've bought the saddlebags James next (laughs) well um, I can only talk about um, are we talking about the incident here? Or just yeah, well, I mean, we, oh, yeah. well, well, okay, so what are you both riding? Because you're both, okay. you're both on quite unconventional bikes. James, what are you riding? I'm riding a 1998 Honda Shadow uh, 750. It's um, In America, it feels quite small. It's one of the last chain-driven shadows. Um, that's the but ace. That's the ace. So it yeah. looks very American um, from my Canadian. How, how much yeah. did you pay for it? I Paid seven hundred dollars for it. Oh, seven hundred Canadian dollars. Wow. Very so good. Wow. Under five hundred American. Um, mm-hmm. Will, what were you riding up <laughs> I, until the incident? I was riding a twenty thirteen Moto Guzzi V seven. Okay, great little bike. Oh, nice modern bike. So I think okay, so we've got the precedent. Um two Canadian, young Canadian guys heading south, not a care in the world, riding unconventional bikes. Yeah. And they're on uh, Highway 1, heading south, heading south, weren't you? Mexico. Yeah, heading around, south towards Mexico. We're on day four at this point. Yes. Yep, day four. Well, um, so I was, at this point, I was leading. And um, just Highway 1, breathtaking view um, along the shoreline. I was um, having a tough time keeping my eyes on the road between the road and the view mm-hmm. and 
I um I forgot to check my rear view <laughs> mirrors. I've uh, done this. <laughs> I've and done this. um then I noticed that Will wasn't behind me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I slowed down right for a little bit longer, um, then pulled to the side. Something I thought was wrong. And sure enough, as I pulled to the side, I got a text from him saying that, um, well, with the location, first of all, <laughs> and uh, that his bike uh, blew up. <laughs> with a photograph of um so those motoguzi v7s mm-hmm. are shaft driven uh sort of where the shaft links to the engine yeah just completely gone <laughs> oh. oh it's catastrophic failure yeah. so um wait did nothing like strike your leg or foot luckily no wow. no i was we were going between 100 and 120 kilometers not an too hour. fast not too fast. It's casual. plenty fast enough. That's 70 miles an hour. So you you weren't mm. booking, but you no. were going plenty fast enough. I maintain what I said, Will. I think you're lucky to be here at freeway speed because when you look at the back of his bike, the rear wheel's at a crazy angle. You know, hey. the, the, the swing arm's mm. been torn away from the back of the engine. <sighs> and so, uh, but anyway, so... You went back and got the wheel. Right. So I um, I said, I'm coming. And okay. uh, I swing around. I get to him. How far you back were, was he? A couple of, couple of clicks? I would say a couple of clicks. Okay. I, I was so there you weren't too far ahead. Minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I thought one of the first things that we had to do was to get off the highway. Um, so we... Uh, I we both have hammocks that we were uh, sleeping in, and uh, I pulled out my hammock for the rope to. Uh, then I attached my Just, hammock rope. Yep. Now that we've established a hammock, were you riding in your Birkenstocks at this point? Yes. So just to establish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's uh, he's a hippie. I'm just calling him that. He's a hippie. All right, go ahead. Um, yeah. Well, I, wait. Did you bring kombucha with you? I, uh, you know, I. There it is. That was a trap. You fell for it. Okay, that is go true. Ahead. I didn't think my scoby would have survived the California sun, so I wanted to keep it in the safe Canadian cloudy weather. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so you attach the hammock, hammock strings to. to- the bike because uh, it was it's a slight uphill off the highway oh yeah and we weren't going to well first of all your rear wheel was just on a crazy angle that it was just hard to even push on a flat ground um yeah, we ha- attached my bike. Uh, then I'm with just my picturing Honda, going down Highway One with a hammock, <laughs> a tow rope, a hammock tow rope. Wow. Uh, to um, and I we yeah we towed the bike. Um, off to the side and um and then a well, car pulled up and then a car pulled up um i don't know <laughs> if you want to go into what it was like to have the bike blow up under your feet one or under your uh, legs when it was it was a little spicy it was bogging a little bit so i thought it was fuel so Should you like bang oh shit this is before the bang so i was giving it i was giving it a little bit more beans and then i just heard pop and the back end got squirrely um yeah, and uh, you know, how did you not hold in the clutch? Okay, yeah. Figured out that you know when I was giving it gas, nothing was happening. So I, I figured I better get over pretty quick. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've blown bikes on on the freeway. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's amazing how just like it goes in a slow motion. Yeah. You just get it over, but you got it over. Yep, I, right. had, I had enough time to throw on the signal. Everyone was nice. No one got too close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. No drama. Yeah. So what's about what's this car? What's yeah, I haven't heard this story. So this car pulls up. Yes. Well, um, so we were at the side. Well, right off the exit, uh, figuring out what to do. Um, probably feeling quite miserable. A little bit stressed. There was wow. no time to be miserable. We were looking at bike shops, realizing everything's closed on Saturday. At right. This was a Saturday right. at around 7 p.m. Uh, oh, after yeah. everything yeah. was closed. And, and Sunday, nothing's happened on Sunday. Closed. And Monday is a holiday for a lot of people. Ooh. Most bike shops are not open on Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So a car pulls up. Yes, it was a white uh, sort of um, sedan, a bigger sedan. And um, pulls up, asks us if we were okay. A man who was driving the car, uh, asked us uh, some, if we were okay. Uh, is this what, John Dalton? No, no, no. It's, it's somebody named Jeff. Okay. Jeff, thank you. Jeff, yes. Just complete lifesaver. And he, we said, um, yeah, everything was fine. But um, at this point, I was debating if I should tow him with my hammock all the way down to the city, <laughs> which was about a uh, couple where, miles away. Where did this happen? So it happened as you climb out of Monterey like you're going to Carmel. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was at the 68 West intersection. Yeah, I know where that is. And it's, it's mm. I, I famously blew up my trident going up that grade, giving it the beans. I was doing okay. about I was doing about 100 and I just hold the right hand cylinder. So it, it's quite a grade. It'll catch you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, it'd be a couple of miles back to Monterey. Yes, um, and this is where Jeff showed up and um, told us that he knows exactly the person that could help you guys, <laughs> 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 and uh, pulls out a receipt um, and writes a number, phone number of uh, Emma, and um, I was skeptical if you would um, answer, yeah. but. Sure, and I, I kind of did. And the only reason I answered, so um, normally I don't work on Saturday, but as you probably know, I've got another Vincent Black Shadow in the shop yeah. right now. I'm putting an electric start on this one. And when Vincents show up, because they're so valuable, I have to call my insurance company and say I've got another Vincent in the shop, and they increase my coverage just in case the shop burns down or it gets stolen. And then the moment it's gone, I call them up and say it's gone. And then they'll they'll send me a bill for the extra amount. So I like to get them in and out. I don't like to dawdle over them. And this one, there's so much machine work to do on it. And I think, Christ, I need to get a handle on this. Otherwise, it'll be in for weeks. Um, so, um, I was in messing about with the Vince and my phone goes and I look at it and the thing that drew me to it was it was an international number. And I thought, where the hell is three nine? I know four, <laughs> four. Cause when, when my brother calls me, um, you know, and tells me that, you know, my mum's done something ridiculous. Um, it's a 4-4 number. I'm like, 3-9, what is 3-9? And I'm also being mindful that I'm going to Italy in 10 days. So I thought it might be somebody from BTS Bike mm. Rental. 3-9 is an Italian number. Right. It might be somebody from the hotel wanting to talk to me. It might be blah, blah, blah. So I'd better answer it. Mm-hmm. You guys won the lottery when she answered that phone. We sure did. It was, um... <laughs> Boy, did you. <laughs> Because you got more than just a toe. Well, 
so they say, oh, we hear you might have got a trailer. And I'm like, well, yes, um, I do. And um, blah, 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 where are you? And um, I, I said I'm about 30 minutes away. And then I said, you do understand you've called a motorcycle shop and this is a wrecker service. We had no idea. Right. You thought you were calling a person. And I said, this is a wrecker service. And then there was kind of a long pause. And he said, and you said, and this was kind of your savior. You said, well, we're kind of on a budget. We can probably round up about 50 bucks between <laughs> us. And do you remember what I said to you? you yes. You said um, that you've also traveled the world. And um, it's when you're in a tough spot on yes. your travels, uh, sometimes it's just the kindness of strangers that could really save you. And, and I um, also yeah, that, that- said... Mm-hmm. The maximum, maximum. Tow, the maximum tow charge today will be $50. $50. Right. Because that, <laughs> that's so turned into their taco great. money. <laughs> right. Yes. And so, um, and then I said I would be there in 30 minutes. And you were there in maybe 25. And I showed up in King Kong. Hello. And you were, quite, you were quite impressed. <laughs> I was just, as soon as I, so we were just at the side of the road and a yellow, bright yellow truck um just pops out of nowhere and i was just hoping that it was you because it was just a lovely truck and sure enough you pulled aside and um what do you think of that lift system before the lift system i realized that so emma uh jumps out of the car with this bright yellow cowboy hat <laughs> and i thought we are in america it was, uh, <laughs> it was the most american moment um yeah i think i just couldn't contain myself you just looked so cool and um but yeah amazing tow system um that you have right and uh, you just lifted the bike first it um has a bed yeah. that you strap the bike on and then it sort of it, it tilts 90 yeah. degrees yeah. almost and i you know when i first got the system we had competitions to see who could ride it. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. Mike Miranda was sitting on a bike and we were doing the Bucking Bronco on it. And I was trying to throw him off and he held on pretty well. <laughs> so um, so I, what, what was your plan, Emma? Because you're like, these well, poor I'm, guys in their hammocks, what do I do with them? <laughs> well, I, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. Um, I thought, well, these guys are in distress. We need to at least... I can get the bike to my shop... And then we can figure it out right then, because having been in your position, sometimes you just need time to breathe. And I could, I really felt that that you were just um, wanted to help more right. than anything. So um, was, had you had you sized them up to see if they were axe murderers? Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, generally, <laughs> generally Canadians don't give me too much trouble. <laughs> I should also point out that one of the worst crimes ever perpetrated was on a Greyhound bus in Canada. Do you remember that where somebody got beheaded? Unfortunately. Oh yeah. Yes, no. you do. I do. Yeah, it was wild. No, but generally Canadians don't give me too much trouble. Um, <laughs> and so. Um, and you thought I was an. So. It, I was trying to place his accent when he was calling me. And I thought, he's Asian American. And your dad's Japanese. Yes. So, you know, I kind of... You know what that makes him? Exotic. He is an exotic. (laughs) Yes. He's one of the many exotics. Yes. We we have a bunch in our crew that are Hapa, and I refer to them as the exotics, because you can't quite tell where they're from. It could be anywhere exotic. Okay. 
I yeah. get a lot of hippies, but um, <laughs> exotic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. But anyway, I mean, I scooped them both up, and you were riding. The shadow was doing great. Yes. Um, and so. Step one, we got the bike installed in the shop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was chatting to Will at the time, kind of sizing Will up and making sure he wasn't going to murder me and mm -hmm. eat my cats. <laughs> um, and, you know, I thought, oh, this guy, he's, he's cool. And if, if Will's cool, there's a very, very good chance that James is going to be cool as well. I'm like, well, where the hell are you guys staying Oh, because he's, fo he's following on the right. bike. He's yeah. following on the bike. And I'm like, well, where are you guys staying? Well, you know, it's campsite. I said, well, you know, I'll tell you what just crash at emma's house and this is not unprecedented like say i have hosted quite a few canadians at my <laughs> house i've had from like british columbia to baja i'm about halfway mm. and generally it's a good rest stop if you want to have a shower and wash your clothes and just regroup um and I knew as soon as I saw that bike, Will, I knew you were dead in the water. There's no... F mm. It's fixable. It's very fixable. But it's not fixable. Not right now. Not <laughs> right now. You're, the next few months of your life are going to be looking for wrecked bikes, looking for offbeat parts. So he needs to get a whole other motor? or just No, no, no. Everything, everything from the, the clutch drive? back he needs. Yeah, all right. So, so he needs system. probably a transmission or a, as a oh, minimum swing arm. a transmission back case. I think mm. the swing arm might be okay. I think your shopping list is going to be transmission or transmission back case, drive shaft complete, ring gear complete <coughs> and i think your wheels okay i think your swing arms okay i think your shocks are okay i think the subframe of your bike's okay how about his ego it's bruised, very bruised. <laughs> <laughs> poor lad i was so, up very late last night looking at parts yes oh, um, well you know so we brought them back to the house and we fed them um and um well they fed themselves kind of thing Yes, we had our... Um, Tacos. Yes, burritos. Burritos. <laughs> from Target. Uh, we, <laughs> we just had one canned, um, one can of fried beans and a couple delicious. of shells. That was great. But, um, yeah, and then we all went out for this morning. They, they crashed in the living room and were perfect guests. Hmm. Um, and um, I sent Kathy out to wake them up this morning. And um, and then what did you tell him about what what to expect today? Like you won't believe you're already thinking what great fortune this mechanic has picked us up and taken us home. Mm -hmm. And then she she tells you, oh wait till tomorrow. Well, I, I explained the the what the collective is and how the collective works, and explained recycle garage. And I kind of glossed over motorcycles and misfits because unless unless you actually experience the podcast you don't kind of get who we are and what we are and why we are. So um, here we are. Yeah, so at what point did you realize she's an international celebrity? Oh, God. I mean, still, it's... When, I got, out, <laughs> when I got out of the truck, you realized... <laughs> Honestly, yes. I think uh, nothing could really top that. It was a uh, cowboy. I, um, but it just uh, it just kept getting uh, better. I think um, just even the conversations that we had, um, Emma's uh, well-traveled, well-adept in motorcycles. We we both love motorcycles. And um, sort of that's how we became friends. Uh, we studied the same 
sort of a degree in university. We were just classmates, but what really brought us together was uh, the love for well, the new love for motorcycles mm-hmm. and the lack of money. So we <laughs> would buy cheap broken bikes and then try to fix them up together. And that's uh, yeah. when we were still still doing the same thing. And I think that's wonderful. And you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Um, this evening about touring on the cheap because you guys are actually very broke and yet here you are doing international travel mm-hmm. you're doing and we're going to kind of gloss over the fact that the Guzzi broke down because I truly believe I think that's an anomaly I suspect at some stage in that bike's past it had some trauma to the rear end. Maybe it was rear-ended by a car heavily and something was misaligned or something was bent. Because I think what your bike did, never having seen it before like that, there's something else involved with that. So that's not what I really want to talk about. I mean, it is what it is. But touring on the cheap, touring with basically no money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Do you, do you guys have tents, or are you just sleeping in the open in uh, ha- hammocks? Um, we we do have one tent. Um, Will has a tent, and I if it rains, I was going to snuggle up in his <laughs> tent too. But I have a hammock, um, but he didn't have a sleeping bag, so that is something that he had to get on the way. Oh, my God. So plan? one tent, but no sleeping bag. You've got a sleeping, a sleeping bag, bag but, but no tent. tent. Mm-hmm. You've both got hammocks. I brought a yes. blanket. You, you've got a blanket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so was there a lot of planning for this? No, um, just kind of let's go. I packed Wednesday morning. Okay, mm-hmm. the day that we left, the day of. I think uh, not much, just uh, just to follow the streets. I think um, uh, for traveling, rather than planning the details, I think it's better to have a bigger sort of direction. Like for us, that was riding on Highway One, for example. Yeah. Um, not what to which city we would want to stay in but rather just to stay on this road and see where it takes us so this was purely adventure that you I, it is a hundred percent adventure and mm. i love it mm. and yeah. i think back when i used to do the majority of my traveling which was back in the the 80s number one thing the number one thing you had to be adaptable mm-hmm. and you you had to kind of go with the punches because if everything goes well, and we talked about this, mm-hmm. it's, it yeah. doesn't make for a memorable trip. It's true. And touring on a budget does throw you punches. So I think if um, if you get bent out of shape, uh, it will be um, a pretty tough time. But I think if you could just uh, just sway with them. Right. Uh, for, for example, this bike breaking down, now I think it's going to be the best part of our trip, just in terms of the memories that we made and, and it, meeting you. And it, and it might be, because, you know, the thing is, when you're riding a bike very, very long distance, and, and why you ride long distance as well. I think that riding is excessive, but I love it. And when, it. when you get into that zone on your bike, and especially if the highway's mm. quiet, mm. You've got a lot of time to think. Mm. And you've got a lot of time with your own thoughts. And if you harbor dark thoughts, Mm. it can really put you in a bad place Mm -hmm. because you've got plenty of time to think about them. Mm -hmm. And because it's just you and your bike, and your bike's not going to slap you around and say, 
don't think about that, you bonehead. You, if you're not careful, you really can put yourself in a bad place if life gives you a few lemons along the way. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. I think, um, but it's strangely meditative. As, as you said, uh, riding a bike for a long distance, I think you run out of things to think about, but you also don't want to fall asleep for right. obvious reasons. And for you to try to stay focused on the road um, or try, try to be focused but nothing in particular and then it just becomes this experience where after a couple of hours of riding and you hop off the bike you feel a little bit different like right. uh you came out from a long meditation or something right absolutely i feel that every time i ride especially <coughs> long distances and it's almost like um you have to embrace everything that comes that comes on the road you, I mean, you no, you absolutely do i'm in order to have that that you know that really joyful experience oh yeah good or bad you know hiccup or not uh flat tire no cell phone signal no money and i really like to help whatever i can i i mean people have really been helping me out lately just really been supportive in the transitions i've been going through so if i can you know be of any kind of support uh financially or if you want to team up for a little you know short ride up the highway uh, and your story is just really inspiring. And you're mm. from Vancouver, which is was the beginning of my my adventure. Uh, yeah, when I was uh, just kind of setting out as a as a, a you know twenty year old. I have a question nice. for you too. Um, so you said you were in Monterey, heading down Highway One, going down into Big Sur, some of the most beautiful. Oh, it's stunning. famous sections. Are you aware that Highway 1 is closed and that you cannot go all the way south what? on Highway 1? No, I have no You did no not idea. look at them. <laughs> in fact, from down in Big Sur, it tells you to go all the way back up to Monterey and go around. Oh, no. You were yep. not aware that the road collapsed and is closed on a section of 1. Hmm. You would have gone halfway down and then had to go all the way back around. That was my plan for tomorrow, so that's good that... <laughs> So you might want to check ahead <laughs> on the roads. I will. Is all I'm I will. Saying. I will come up with um, a plan. I'd so set it, him up Carmel Valley Road and do yeah, that yeah, down. Yeah. You're going to have to go around. You're going to have to go inland to to. Well, you know, he can he can go down 101 to 46 and then and take then 46 to Cambria. Yeah, to Cambria, 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 which is unfortunate because the most stunning section is that whole big sur. Is it a slide or is it? Is yeah, it yeah, the road, oh, the road okay. fell off. Oh. Yeah, Again. it's always the same. You know, that road Again. is just perched on the side of the cliff face, mm. and you get erosion and allied All to those that storms we had storms. And the roads, you know, they try and maintain it. But at this stage, it's an old road. It's getting on for a hundred years old. Mm. Highway one. It was built. You know, during the Great Depression, so it's it, all the bridges like nineteen thirty, mm-hmm. so it's ninety odd years old, mm-hmm. um, and at this stage they're really just doing damage control. It yeah, really needs they're a completely so far new behind. Like oh, I, yeah. I recently did a little paper on that when I was taking a semester in school, and uh, you know they just it's the the um, the substrate, and it's you, you can't really repair the top layer, you know, mm-hmm. just their top layer. I mean, you have to yeah, get it's down major. to the bones of the thing. But they do. Yeah. I mean, but yes, just, large section So closed, there you go. And has been 
for quite a long time. So once again, Emma has saved two wayward young men <laughs> from themselves. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, we come to today. So we had a lovely breakfast, didn't we? Yes, and chorizo then, burrito. Yeah, chorizo mm. burrito from Papachevo's, mm-hmm. which is a chain, but a very, very nice chain. I was going to say, you know, you don't have to go to Mexico for Mexican food. And then mm, um, really stuff, I, I toddled <laughs> off to church. And then uh, we came back, and um, I, you know, I wanted Will to be able to do some riding, so um, I lent you the eleven hundred, the X, the old XS, the seventy nine. You're having quite a bit of fun on that thing, aren't you, oh, big old horse? Hmm. Why, why don't you sell it to him so he can go down to uh, Mexico on it? Oh, I don't think he wants to buy that. He, want, he wants to fix <laughs> his visa. No. no. So I'm curious about this whole budget. What's your what's your like? What was your budget? To go down to Mexico and back from Canada. There wasn't a strict budget per okay. se, but as cheap as possible. But you, you're you're on the can of beans budget, right? Basically. Yes, yes. And I should yeah. I should point out, which came as a surprise to me, they have both lost their jobs. Oh, so that as a, too. <laughs> yeah, that's so. Hold on. Okay, you poor guy. So you lost your girl, your job, and your bike. Tell me you don't have a dog. Okay, thank God. Oh, my God. I can't take another one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're... But you you met all of us, and that's a plus. You are a country song right now. Yeah, no, you are. You are one chord away from a Garth Brooks song. Feeling very blessed today, though. Yeah, well, you should. Likewise. Yeah. So you're... So you're giving up on the trip. You're going to head back. Yeah. But James, you're going to keep plowing on. I'm you and your Birkenstocks. Far. Yes. Wait, who's giving up on the trip? I'm, I'm oh, yeah. flying back today, or tomorrow morning. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah, so what Will's booked you? on the um, a flight out of San Jose. So I'm going to no. drop. Yes. I thought you said Monterey. No, San Jose. Oh, okay. So I'm dropping him off the uh, airport oh, tomorrow morning okay. on my way to work. Mm-hmm. And then either tomorrow a little bit later or Tuesday, a shipping company is going to collect the motor goozy mm. and then uh, haul it, haul it north. You, f- you, as tragic as these events are, you, you, you got so lucky. You won the lottery, and mm-hmm. that it was here with with Miss Emma, which would mm-hmm. bring you to here. And James, you even got a new jacket today. Thank you, Deliza. I've um, yes, I have actual riding jacket with padding. So he if, had. Uh, he was just had like an athletic jacket, mm-hmm. like a windbreaker kind of thing. Yes. What's so, a, what? Can I ask what size your feet are? My feet are about ten and a half. Yeah, you need riding boots. Huh? Do you need? Mm. Do you want boots? Mm. No, he's a hippie. <laughs> he's a hippie. He yeah, I mean, don't, boots. don't, please, don't ride in sandals. Okay, I mean, you don't want to yes. have your feet exposed on the freeway. That is a very There's a whole uh, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's 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 too many things that can get kicked up on mm, the road. You'd be yeah. surprised how how that can happen. There's something about feeling that went through your toes that mm. um it's hard to describe, oh but God. yes, I think uh um my toes were beginning to blister from uh shifting up. Uh, right, right, right. So oh my God. Maybe it's a, it's a, oh it's a high times to uh uh, get we we boots. we preach gear, but yes. really, like the most important thing is the boots. Mm. The feet are the things you need to protect. Do, have we got any? Have we got any sort of? I don't know. Go look. Boot? Yeah, we'll go and have There's a look. We'll go and have a look before we go home he, tonight. He's got he's got sneakers on now. Right oh, now, that's yes. better than the, yeah. the sandals. Um, so you're gonna do this adventure alone. Mm-hmm. You're still gonna go have a taco. I will still go to yeah. 
Yes. How long? How, so how much time do you have? Neither of us have much of a commitment um, at this point. I think it's because uh, <laughs> they've got no job. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where's your end point? I think um, at least across. The border. Uh, one of the members from the collective told me that Ensenada was That's just, a good place to be. Nah. So go down to like Bahia de Los Angeles. Okay, down on the inside of the bay, mm-hmm. a small little town there. But at least you'll travel all the way across Baja. Okay. Um, that's you can go and you can go whale watching there. Mm. That's the bay side, mm-hmm. or you can go to the other side. But Bahia de Los Angeles is not like touristy. It's so, and you, you know what? You never know. You might go down there, might meet some beautiful blackhead beauty with flashing eyes oh. and fall in love <laughs> and then get a job and never come back. Yeah, yeah or maybe just the tacos. I Yeah, you might fall in love, fall with, the in love with the tacos. And I sincerely hope, James, that you stop at Motortown on your way back up. I would love to. I yeah. would love to. Yes. Um, and with any luck, I'll have fins it finish that bloody vincent black shadow back then and we'll be going home i'm trying to think bagel have you been down to baja i have what's what's some um, a goal he can make other than like what's his name uh the uh what's his name's corner um uh, i isn't there a place called like rosarita that's a um, little farther down the coast yes i heard that's there they have a uh, good wine there so i was going to could be I yeah, mean, I, I, know I, I went there and had, had some really good, uh, it's a really good taqueria that I went to there, but there's all kinds of places to eat. Mm. You, you could actually head all the way down to Cabo because there's always lots of Canadians in Cabo oh. and you can hang out with your countrymen. Yeah, no, 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 I think I would there. like to stick here. <laughs> <laughs> there's quite a few more in like Ziwat, lots of Canadians down there. Right. Yeah. Well, so far, I think the best Mexican food I've had in my life was in the target parking lot we there was a lady selling um uh, tamales. tamales yes oh nice i I've, i took two oh, and the then went, in, lady. Uh, yeah. went back for the third i just uh that's good mm. yeah i think i think um and once you leave on sonata and just go down one and uh, stay on the uh, i think the outside the western so, coast just keep traveling okay so will um i mean what are you gonna do you're gonna end up back home Tomorrow night, um, and you're just going to kind of lick your wounds? Are you going to be looking for a job, looking for love in all the wrong places? I want to say yes, but I'm already on Facebook Marketplace. (laughs) (laughs) And our friend is selling his Harley, and I think Will's tempted to... Uh, have some of the ride, (laughs) wait for parts, and then maybe just go south again. All right, hear me out. Consider, I know, I know I'm going through separation anxiety. Consider a KLR 650 because you are a man on a budget and that is a great bike. Yeah, but they're not cheap anymore. There's one nearby for $2,900. I just, I like red flags too much. See, (laughs) I'm just saying it would suit you well. It's a good, good budget bike. It's a good, comfortable, it'll get you a long distance tool around. So seriously, Will, that's your plan. You're going to go back. Um, probably order a few parts for your bike, wait until it arrives, get another bike, and then start heading south again. We'll see. Well, if you, if you do head south and you don't come by and say hello, I will be crushed. Oh. And you can join <laughs> all my other Canadian friends, including the other Will and Max, hmm. 
who come back, not regularly, but, um, you know, Max cracked me up the last time I saw him. Because, you know, Max is a very, very handsome guy. Um, and the best way to describe his look, he had gone feral. Hmm. Oh, oh yeah he had gone feral he had been living down in mexico for quite a while and his bike had fallen over in the desert and it was right on one of those trails where the trophy trucks come through and he just left it lying there on its side for three days because he said oh. if i try and pick this thing up and a trophy truck comes through it's just going to squash me so he just, <laughs> he just left it there but um no you 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 know, Emma's house is now on the map for you two. It sure is. Definitely. Don't know how I couldn't stop and at least say hi. Well, I, I hope you have fun continuing on your adventure. And in fact, I wanted to share, I went on a little adventure yesterday. I did started you, telling you about this, Emma. Did you really? I did. When I was dropping off the KLRs up in Alameda. Okay. I saw a, a corner shop that said import scooter shop. See, Bagel just got interested. I'm like, ooh. Oh, I saw it. Ooh, import scooter shop. I ooh, saw this could be cool. Ears perk up. I wanted to go see like what kind of scooters they got. So when I was mm. with Relda and Marcus, we we doubled back after Oh, you were with Relda and Marcus? Yes. And uh we went there. Well, I pretty <laughs> soon realized what import scooters are. Yeah. But to my delight, guess what was right at the front of all the bikes as we walked in? An amigo? An amigo! <laughs> In fact, there were two. Yes, these are Chinesium bikes. Um, and something that, you know, we've been saying that Chinese bikes are getting better. There's companies like CF Moto and Benelli that are really proving themselves. And then there are bikes like the Amigos. The cheapies. <laughs> that are cheap. And they had every version. All, when you go on Motobuys, where I bought the Amigo, they have all those bikes that I've looked at online in person there. There were three-wheeled things. Some of them had two wheels on the front. Some of them had two wheels on the back. They were like smaller Chinese versions of, of, of things. There was They had the mad asses. They had the fake uh, ruckus, the big ruckus. They had the fake stretched lowered ruckus. Ruckuses. <laughs> they had bagel. They had these fake Vespas that I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. that looks kind of cool and vintage. And when I sat on it and I grabbed the whole front shield and it's all plastic, yep. it felt like a kid's pedal toy. Like you could bend everything. And mm -hmm. even um, one of the bikes Marcus sat on and you could, there was so much flex in the handlebars because instead of doing triple trees that go down to the forks, these have a single gooseneck like on a bicycle. That yep. go down into the, the head. So if the somebody's holding the wheel, you can actually crank the bars left and right a good few inches with the wheel not moving. That's how much play there was. Oh, my God. Um, but it was yeah. fun. They had fake ninjas. They had all the fake things. Now, I say that, but they're not, they're not calling them ninjas. They're not calling them ruckus. And they even had the one that... That there were two that actually caught my eye. One of them was it's an Amigo scooter. It was a 300 cc uh, fuel injected with ABS big scooter on the size of a Bergman kind of thing, and it actually looked pretty decent as a big you know boat cruiser. And then they have one, the one that I actually as as Relda said, she goes, you know, you have money in your pocket in an empty trailer. I'm like, oh. <laughs> don't do that to me and so of course i had to like resist 
everything. But there was one that is a knockoff of the ADV scooter that I want so bad. Oh, really? The ADV 150. That actually oh, no. looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Ooh. Well, no, hang on, though. You've yeah. gotten ahead of yourself. Who, who did you sell the KLR to? Did you sell it to Torelda? Torelda. Both of them. Yes. Yes. You sold both to Relda? Yes. Good Lord. Yes, so she can go riding with her boyfriend. So one for him, one for her? Yes. Good Lord. Yes, but she's the one who wears the pants in the family. Oh, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, she's a very good very good girlfriend to, to buy them both. And yeah, because they, they work it out. He's quite the car collector. Yes, yes, yes. Did you see his collection? No. 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 Okay. But um, you know what the it it was cool to see all these bikes that I've been so tempted to buy online and to actually see them in person. Were you disappointed by most of them? I was disappointed by most of them. I was, and I was glad to be able to see them and put my hands on them. But there was some I'd consider. But here's the thing: um, they offered service. They had a whole line of janky, broke scooters out back that they were working on. <laughs> They're they're keeping them running for people. Are so, you taking your amigo there, Liza? No, but I thought that okay, that's kind of cool. And they were very nice in there and chatting with us, to, there to answer questions. So yes, they're selling these cheap ass bikes to people, but they're also providing service. And you know that's that's half the battle won because I mean I've always said that. Half of the problem with buying Chinese bikes, nobody's got parts and nobody wants to work on them. Mm -hmm. So if they're actually providing service, that means they're going to sell parts as well. So I don't know. I don't know. Might work out well. Yeah. And I mean, mm -hmm. you're Amigo, if I was that way inclined, and in a couple of weeks I might be that way inclined, if I were actually to take the bull by the horns and dismantle it completely... <laughs> and rebuild it, it might actually turn into something. Because as <laughs> janky as your Amigo is, its major problem is just incredibly shoddy build quality. <laughs> yeah. And I think if you were to actually bolt it together quite well and lock tight things and grease things that need greasing and shim things like the swing arm that need shimming. And, and, and you use actual quality. Quality hardware. Yes, and topple well, off down to ace hardware and get all the grade eights. I have a different theory with the Amigo. Really? Yes. My theory is just ride it and abuse it, and when you break something, replace it with a Honda part. But that's everything. <laughs> that's going to be, and it breaks down every time you start it. You break everything on it. Yeah, but you can replace so, everything from, from a Honda Dax or a Honda, I mean... So why not just go through and rebuild the whole thing and then have a reliable bike you can ride? It's the same theory I have when you buy a cheap socket set. You buy the big tool right. set and you only replace the, the ones you, you use break. the most, mm. which are the ones that break. There is, I mean, there is, there is theory in that. Hey, listen, Bagel, I've got a question for you, yeah. sweetie, because yeah. it's driving me bananas. What is, <laughs> what is that wheel? What is that wheel behind you? Ah, that what? is a CT70 wheel. Doesn't look like what? one. Oh, the rear yeah. wheel, yeah. Is that? Yeah. Oh, that's not a three wheel. Okay. Oh yeah. well, and that—that's what I'm oh! working on next. God, it's a unicorn. 
Oh, it, it looks it has it one handlebar. It looks very oh, yeah. It looks very <laughs> sad. What are you it's doing to it? Well, I'm going to be dismantling it. It's it's basically well, I can uh, see pretty much dismantled. Case. I can see from here. I can see well, that. Well, here's the thing. This is this is a CT70 rolling frame that I got for dirt cheap, and I have I bought a whole lot of parts for a CT70 that basically was everything that got taken off of a frame that was used to build a custom bike. Oh, send so, me what you don't use. I'll put it on the Amigo. <laughs> sure. I'll send you all my broken stuff. <laughs> it's probably better than what's on so the Amigo. So by amalgamating the two. Yes, I'm going to be taking everything off of this frame and putting all of the practically brand new parts onto it. Very good. Bike. And I'm thrilled to see it's it's yellow. Yeah, It is gold, in fact. Which coincidentally Andy, is the gold. color of Velveeta. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, but the, the she brought it back around. <laughs> but the parts that are going on it are candy apple red. Oh, so it'll be like Velveeta with salsa chunks within. It, it, it'll be more like a Gouda with the uh, A with Gouda? The okay. Oh, yeah, because okay. Gouda comes in that red red wax shell. Emma, have I yeah, told you I'm lactose intolerant? On the inside. Why do you think I'm doing this? <laughs> ah! Hey, we got a an amazing email that came in. Emma, I would love for you to read this. Okay, I am going to. And this is from, it's entitled, I Have Finally Done It. Oof. And it's from El Jordan 16. Howdy, y'all. This is Trevor. Hey, Trevor. From the Rocky Mountain countryside of Colorado. As of today, I have listened to every single episode ever well done wow. trevor from episode one through current i guess this means i have to start bringing some cleveland moto as i will only <laughs> able to listen to you once a week now i must say listening to such <clears throat> wait a minute what's this say listening to such a large span of time in such a short order is interesting I listen almost exclusively to your podcast 10 hours a day, five days a week at work. Oh my I will say I do miss a lot of the old misfits and some things of the past. And I do love the current misfits and how you have grown and changed as a group. Except Emma. She has never changed from the first time she was on till now. But we love you, Emma. Never change. Oh, thank you, darling. I would ask, if at all possible in the future... To do a podcast with the old crew, remotely or in person, as well as the new, talking about the misfits themselves and how things have changed from the crew and stories from the past. We did that. Well, the we 500th episode. Yeah, for our 500th episode. We gathered as many as we could. And the thing is, Trevor, it's not just people who grow up and move away and get families. Um, you know, some people... When they leave motorcycling behind, they want to leave everything to do with it behind as well. So they just, you know, they're done. And to a certain extent, I'm like that. When I'm done with something, I'm just done with it. But I don't think it would ever be possible. Do you think it would to get every single person together? No, but that's what I was saying. The 500th was where we got a bunch of the old classics together and talked about the old right. days. So anyway... um, I listened to the death episode and it really got me thinking about how 
Even though I'm young, I could die at any moment of any day. Even though I've accepted my own mortality and the risks I take in life and with my choices riding motorcycles. I decided to sit down with my wife and express my wishes as to when to fight for my life and when to let me go if something happens to me. To be able to express those wishes, even without a will, yet has given me a huge relief. I agree with Liza, for the most part, as long as my brain is still there, I am still me. I want to live. But I couldn't live as a quadriplegic. The thought of not being able to love and protect my family or play with my daughter kills me, but I'm okay with being a paraplegic or loss of limb. With that said, I have written in the past about a first bike for my wife. After searching, she fell in love with the Royal Enfield Classic 350 and Ninja 400, two very different bikes. She sat on a lot of bikes, and those two bikes are the ones she loved the styling of and just lit up when she sat on them. Well, that's a great start, Trevor, because, you know, bikes are a passionate thing. You can have the greatest bike in the world, technically, but... If you don't like how it looks or it doesn't really excite you when you look at it, it's the wrong bike for you. Sure, the Honda Scrambler. Yeah, there you go. Um, Now it's just a choice of which bike. Any advice for her? I've been training her in a parking lot on my SV650 and she's been loving every second of it. I hope to visit you all one day and thank you for being such a big part of my life, whether you know me or not. Keep up the great work and ride on. One of your super fans, Trevor and Michel Jordan. Wait, and tell me again the options that they were looking at. Um, Ninja 400 mm-hmm. and uh, Enfield Classic 350. I'm going to throw one out. The Scram 411. The Royal Enfield Scrambler. I'm going to throw another Royal Enfield out. The Hunter 350. Now, here's an interesting thing. So, as you are very, very well aware, my best friend is Mike Beck, musician extraordinaire. And Mike has, for many, many years, owned a Royal Enfield Meteor 350, which he loves and is a great bike, but he absolutely fell in love with a Hunter 350. And I just want to be clear, does it have less meat? No, it is meatier. Okay. It is meatier than the opposition. And it sounds meatier. So, um, funnily enough, I always threaten to get some new side panel decals made up that instead of saying meteor, like the space thing, (laughs) M-E-A-T-I-E-R, it's meatier 350. Um, But he's absolutely head over heels in love with with the Hunter 350. And there's no reasoning with him. No reasoning with him at all. He just, that's the bike I want, Hunter 350. And so as soon as he gets one in the blue and white he wants, boom, that's it, it's done. Um, But I like the different. I like the slightly less ordinary. I like the road less traveled. So out of those two, as good as the Ninja 400 is, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm kind of digging the Enfield. Scram 411. Check it out. That's all. I did a test ride. I enjoyed it. It's not a powerful bike, but it gets you there, and it was a, it was a nice ride, and they right. look really cool. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, t- within reason, as long as you stay away from the cheap Chinese stuff, um, bikes have come a long, long way. 
you've really got to work very, very, very hard to get a crappy bike these days if you're buying new. Most bikes, within reason, are great quality, do exactly what they're advertised to do, um, are safe to ride, are fun. It's really just a matter of choice. Maybe stay away from Motoguzzi's. <laughs> Well, I wait. How many miles were on your Motoguzzi? I go back to what I said about Will's bike. That bike has suffered a trauma in the past. How many miles are on it? Five thousand kilometers when I bought it. Yeah. So what? Four forty-two hundred maybe miles. Not. But three thousand. But you also said it's been rebuilt, haven't you? Uh, Yeah. So Mm. it's it's suffered a back end trauma. I think it might have been hit hard in the rear at some stage in its life. And I haven't inspected the bike at all yet. Um, And I'm going to spend, you know, most of Monday is going to be devoted to the Black Shadow. But I am going to spend about an hour just looking over the the Guzzi and seeing if I can figure out what actually led up to that problem. Emma, actually, I can relate. I was once hit in the back end hard and now I'm gay. There you go. It's funny how that happens, isn't it, Light? You know, you know the most traumatic thing about that is ever thinking of you straight. You know, I think I just don't even want to imagine that, dear. It'd be terrible. I I put fear in men. Yeah. You are quite fearful. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, fear some. <laughs> I know. Well, there you go. Scramblers. Well, Check them out. I think they're cool. But I'm I mean, really enjoying mine. The thought of this nice young man listening 10 hours a day, five, <laughs> five days a week. I think I think he deserves something. Yeah. But, well, Anwar can't even make it through two hours without falling asleep. Wake up over there. Oh, wait. Hold on. Me hard. I, I muted you. You fell asleep. Ah, uh, but you... No, well, it is it is quite warm in here. In Anwar's defense, you know, the studio, it does get a little toasty in here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, there's only one, two, three, four, five people in here, Anwar. We've had 15 people in here, and it gets like an oven. Yeah. Oh, the heat's turned up. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm going to put you out of your misery. That's oh. the show. We get to go now. Yes. So we're going to close the show. Follow along. You guys will figure out what to do. Don't worry. Trust me. But first, go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. Yes. Did you see the picture that I posted of um, our friends in the yes. shirts? Yes. Yeah, that was for Father's Day. Isn't that great? Uh, some friends of mine heading out on a trip, father and son, and they are wearing their Motorcycles and Misfits shirt. To hit the road. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? Yeah, isn't that great? Um, so you can get your shirt too. Just go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com and click on store. You'll find it there. But you also find all sorts of pictures, Misfits, current and past, and episodes, and all sorts of stuff. Check it out. Um, upcoming events. Um, I'm going to be leaving you guys in two weeks to run the, the garage. Yes. And then you're going to be leaving. And then the following week, I shall be gone. I will be in, um, actually, the following Sunday, I will be in Munich collecting my BMW. And then it's time for Cat and Emma's Emma's Alpine Adventure. 
Well, and we will be visiting. This is going to be like the three bangers in a row. We've got uh, Moto America at Laguna Seca. Yep. And then the following weekend, the historic, the Arma races at Laguna Seca. And then the following weekend, AMA Vintage Days. Right. And I'm missing them all. Yep. yep. Yes. I'll and we will be doing a podcast uh, live um, at AMA Vintage Days. With Uncle with Phil. With Uncle Phil and everybody. So check nice. that out. I think it's going to be Saturday around 3 p.m. in the Race Tower. Ooh, yeah, we're moving nice. it into the Race Tower this time. Oh, Fancy. we are moving up in the world. Exactly. But look down on all the little people. Yeah, but it's going to be... Oh, this. <laughs> You're going to be off doing your adventure. We're going to be doing our adventures. It's, uh, it's, I was with John last night. I'm like, did you break it to her yet? He goes, what? <laughs> You're going to be gone for three weekends in a row? <laughs> so um, as of right now, um, I believe it is the case, and I do stand to be corrected. I think um, the Misfits tour is completely booked. Castles and Curves is completely booked. And I believe my Vietnam trip in the fall is completely booked. Um, I'll check with Donovan, but I'm pretty sure they are completely booked now. Congratulations. So, yeah. Tra-la-la. Cool. All right. On that note, I think we're going to get out of here. I wanted to thank all you guys for sitting in yeah! and joining us. Thank you had no idea. idea what you were getting into. I had no idea. So you're staying with us. So thank you, especially to our Patreon subscribers. We yes. appreciate it so much. Oh, you guys are the greatest, but possibly not as great as Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Ten hours a day, five days a week. That is incredible. That is a career. So, yes. Thank you, Trevor. All right. Let's get out of here. Thanks, everybody. This is Liza. This is Emma. This is Will. This is James. This is Anwar. Mm, Bagel. And And we are out of here. Cool, Cool. Cool. Cool.